ever since Thomas Edison stole the idea of cinema from someone. There has been a contest for the greatest film star of all time. But the answer is... Cage! Cage, cage, cage. Which is the best film in the cage oeuvre? Oeuvre. Oeuvre. Tonight, we bring you the answer. Think. Feel. Enjoy the cage as we talk about the cage fight. <laughs> yeah. podcast that aims to determine the greatest Nicolas Cage film of all time. Andrew Wallace, how are you doing this evening, sir? Mr. Jarvis Drew, I'm well, I'm well. I'm, uh, I'm nicely toniced with my special libation. Yourself? Uh, equally as toniced and very, very excited. It's fight night. It's fight night. It cage is fight, yes. We are excited. Uh, big Cage fans. Well, oh, I, I'm, only, I'm only guessing here. We, we've, we've, we've tried not to discuss as much as this as possible um, before, before getting on the mics. I believe Nicolas Cage is, is, is like the MC Escher of, of... Well, the MC Escher art form of, of, of acting. He's, he's non-Euclidean geometry. He's crazy eyes. He's sensitive. He's human. He's a monster. He's everything. He's just like, but, but not all at once. You've got no Unless he needs to be. You've got no textbook. I don't even know half the things you've just said, but that's okay. That's what this was all about. <laughs> I, I read I read non Euclidean, I think, in a comedy novel one time, and I think it had something to do with corners. Of course, yeah, Excellent. angles. So uh, we are going to be pitting uh, throughout the course of this podcast. Obviously, we're going to um, hopefully be dropping every two weeks. We are going to be pitting cage film against cage film until we find the ultimate Nicolas Cage film. It's going to be like Battle Royale, but instead of uh, nubile schoolgirls, it's going to be Nicolas Cage occasionally dressed in nubile schoolgirl uniforms. Before we, before we get into it, though, I guess it's important that people know what what your relationship with Cage is. So just as, as like a little bit of an overview, how do you look at the man? Well, um, we've got to start with the meme, right? I mean, uh, to, to bring everyone in, Nicolas Cage is that, uh, what is it? It's the you don't say, right? From Vampire's Kiss, it's one of many, many lunatic, crazy-eyed stills from that. That personifies him. Uh, that and the Wicker Man, not the not the bees, I believe is the, the one. The bees, yeah. The bees, the, the bees. bees. Is big. Um, but he's also known for Leaving Las Vegas, won an Academy Award for that. Uh, best actor, um, adaptation, wonderfully nuanced performance. Um, but you, you look, you're, get, you're getting very critical here. It's how, true. Like, how do you feel personally, like ab- about him? Like, just so people know where you're coming from. You know, some like a lot of people. When we mentioned that we're doing this podcast, people are like, I'm not going to listen. I fucking hate him. <laughs> 
And I, which I, I hate that guy. Yeah, I'd love to hear people talking about how crap he is. Yeah, well, yeah. So <laughs> no one's so people talking, but but that's the whole thing. Like you don't necessarily have to to love him sometimes to appreciate what he's doing, or just to be downright blown away by what's going on on screen. So like, how, how do you how do you feel about Kate? Well, uh, okay. First first and foremost, like I look at him, he's he's an actor with a, a quite a range, and the choices he's made are eclectic and. A little bit odd, and and it does it does kind of go from from the acting range of of how he chooses to present it, but he goes over the top, but in a controlled way. I don't even know. Are you saying? I don't even know. What what I guess I'm saying is I'm still discovering Kate. Okay, it's like I thought I knew him. I thought he was like, oh yeah, he was a good actor. Kind of weird. He he was that kind of. For me, because, and I um, might be giving away my age here, in the early 90s, it was kind of what Gary Oldman is now, or maybe what Gary Oldman was five, seven it's years ago. what Gary Oldman has almost been. <laughs> it's Ga- it's, I think I, it's I like truly Gary, you know, he's an actor. Well, he does some good acting there. Well, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's like fringe characters, but he's gone above and beyond that. And then you go, you look back in some of your stuff and go, mm, no, he's pretty much always done that sort of thing. So you're so to, just to sum it up, you're still discovering Cage. I'm on a you're, journey of discovery for Cage. Like it's, um, I I almost look forward to just being massively disappointed because I haven't been yet. It's it's uh, it's it's a box with so many corners. The Cage is a TARDIS. Yeah, you, know, you look inside the Cage. It's like there's more room inside him than there is on the outside. I feel he's it's beautifully put. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's on his Wikipedia page. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's how it sums it, him up. It right. will be by the end of whoever's read this. Podcast. That's that one guy out there. He's got nothing. If he's listening to this, he's got nothing better. He knows to do. how to edit Wikipedia. Yeah, pages. yeah. He's he's got plenty of time. To and yourself, that. young man, like uh, you, you, you drew to the cage podcast idea like a moth to a flame. I did. Um, and and look, I'm happy to admit this right now, admitting it to you and that and that one guy out there as he updates I love Wikipedia. You, Gerald, good on you, Gerald. Thank you. I thought you were going to say uh, Jared. Then no, Jared. I didn't really want to no, go. We don't no. love Jared. Jared, we, no Jared does not love us. No. Well, well. Jared loves some people, but he shouldn't be. That's why he's in jail right now. Oh, that, bless him. Anyway, um, getting off that topic, I Indeed. feel I feel like I, I feel like I know the cage. Yeah, I've um, you look when we were talking about putting this podcast together and we were coming up with what movies we we all uh, already owned. Uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice was on my shelf. Was on Sorcerer's Apprentice. You you already owned that. Yeah, I didn't was know there? it existed. I don't. Well, look, I didn't have to go. Apparently, out. it's even includes a segment based on the Disney. It d- it does. Look, wow. Okay. Let's not look. No, no. You're, you're okay. getting way ahead of us I right know, now. I know. I'm so excited. But I, I I generally <laughs> I generally love the cage and and like what what he does. Indeed. Um. I'm I'm a fan. Not even ironically. Like I I generally like oh, what I'm, he does. I'm not ironic. I just I I was ironically because I, I wasn't too aware of him. And then I just go. We sort of started really focusing, and I go. Actually, no. Now that I look back, it's go. This is this is good cinema. It's it's weird. It's it's. Can I tell you why I like him though? Like apart Please. from not not even only just because of what he does on screen. I know we're wanking on just a little bit right now. Yeah. We do have to we do have to move on again into yeah, into well, the films. But so. but look, look, we're setting things up here. Um, I like him also because like he's interesting. He's doing he's doing his own thing both on screen and off screen. Um, I don't know whether you we got online and looked up what 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 the man's been up to. Obviously, there's the altercation with with Vince Neil from Motley Crue. Oh, uh, look, that was a that that was a great look. It was it was a it was better a headline than it was an actual story. Did you watch the clip? I didn't, but I can imagine it was two middle aged men scuffling it, awkwardly in it, a bar. It, it, well, look, 
Cage was being quite the gentleman. Yeah, that's uh, my understanding. In a, in a, in a, he was wearing a tight blue suit. He's, he was looking great. And uh, Vince Neil was uh, grabbing a female fan by the hair and, uh, and not playing nice. And Cage was basically saying, cut your shit. Jesus, Vince Neil's put on some weight, hasn't he? He, he has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it reminds me of another, I just want to briefly go, uh, I believe a few <laughs> years ago, uh, Axel Rose, legend of rock. Got in a fight with Tommy Hilfiger. Got, well, in fact, Re- really? Tommy punched him in the face. Oh, right. And that's where the fight began and ended. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> bless. Are you like, saying Tommy Hilfiger won the fight? Punched Axel in the face. I don't want to. I don't want to stereotype. Know. I don't know anything about Tommy Hilfiger. I, I couldn't pick him. I couldn't pick him in a lineup. But, but you've seen Axel Rose with his dreads, right? Yeah. I think that pretty much answers any kind of subtext you might have about right, that, that right. incident. There it and, is. And indeed, Vince Neil. As a as a close relative, rock wise of Axl Rose, and uh, obviously the the overpowering force of the cage. He looks like Vince Neil in the clip looked like the uncle that no one talks about anymore. Vince Neil looks like Warwick Kappa. <laughs> yeah, which is I'm not yeah. sure what that's going to mean to my in, our vast international audience, but yeah, Warwick Kappa, bloated, blonde, used to be famous and still thinks he's pretty top shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if he ever fucking steps out of line, Cage is going to put him in check. Uh, but that's what I like about the guy. He, he's he's making the headlines and and just looking looking him up over the years because you know now when when they're when you know celebrities make news and stuff like that, it's like oh you know Beyonce and Iggy Azalea are having a tiff about. There was of course the dinosaur skull incident as well. There Let's is. That's where I'm that. getting at. He does interesting. He 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 purchased a dinosaur skull. A, Who wouldn't a, a Tarbosaurus? Do you know what a Tarbosaurus I is? Don't. No, I, I don't. imagine it's one of the less cool dinosaurs. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it's the coolest. Oh, well, if you're dropping it. a if you're dropping a, a cool few. Million on it. <laughs> Turns out it was stolen from Mongolia, but he's had to return it. Good dinosaurs from Mongolia, man. And yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, I don't know whether you're familiar with his uh, courting of Patricia Arquette. Uh no, no. Okay, so. Uh, oh man, I totally would have written their names on the back of my notebook cover in high school if I'd known about there it. There you go. Well, let me just bring you up to speed Arquette. on that one. For for those uh, jumping on board, Patricia Arquette, you may have seen it. What recently? What was she? She was in. Um, Boyhood. She was. She she won the Oscar. She the movie that they filmed over ten years. Oh, she oh was in that. yes, Linklater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, something a reference that you might know. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Three. Dream Warriors. I she was do. the she uh, was the lead. Kristen in that. Um, so nice eighties and David Arquette's older sister. So she obviously didn't beat him up enough when she was a kid. <laughs> no. So anyway, um, Cage once met her in a diner. This is a true story. Mm. Uh, proposed to her. Did he buy a lottery ticket and offer to split the winnings? Uh, no, he oh. just. It was just a flat out. Proposal. I don't know whether he'd seen her right. work or not, but this is <laughs> following me on this journey. Was he filming living Las Vegas? He was just drunk as shit. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Um, but so he proposed. So she, she was a little bit frightened and she, yeah. she played along. Um, and, and to sort of curb him a little bit, to throw him off the scent, she basically gave him a, a list of um, near impossible objectives that he had to obtain before before she would say yes. So she pre-wrote National Treasure. The, pre- yeah, pretty much. The, and so this is basically attaining a black orchid um, and uh, getting a, a copy of uh, J.D. Salinger's autograph. This is wow. all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J.D. Salinger being notoriously reclusive, uh, you know, on par with the Unabomber and... Um that other guy who was so reclusive, we don't even know who he is. Exactly, yeah, uh, that guy. Uh, yeah. Um, so Cage uh, completed the list, um, and so she uh, she had to marry him. Uh, but uh, damn it, 
on their way to the airport um, to, to to basically get married. He, uh, he was he it threw, in Vegas? He's got to be in Vegas. I don't know. I don't know where it was. He <laughs> threw a bit of a tantrum. Um, they reconnected and uh, like years later, nine years later or something, they were remarried and then eventually uh, separated and divorced. Wow, that's the kind of headlines cages. Is putting out there, and that's the simple version of it. That's that, like, yeah, that's that's not even taking into account the various actual human emotions and back and forth and, and living and so on forth. <laughs> no, this, this is the stuff that's layered on top of like, okay, now this is a simple version. Sit down. This could take a while. This is cage getting and, through the cage the, and relationships. The Indiana Jones style list he had to complete <laughs> to 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 win the the fair maiden's wow. hand. Um, but I don't know whether you're familiar with this one, and we'll, we'll move on after this. This is just painting the picture of the kind of headlines that I want to see. This is what I expect from our celebrities. It's who's a, this is what I I'm discovering. Cage, I, I feel him in my heart. This is what I anticipated, and it's actually happening. This is like the actual things that have happened. Here it is. Fighting Vince Neil. Here it is. Romancing Patricia Arquette with the how do you, dinosaur skulls. Good. Well, then, then how do you uh, how do you react when you when your your eyes fall upon this headline? Cage wants to be snake wasted. Now, uh, how do you spell wasted? Uh, wasted, uh, W-A-I-S-T-E-D. Oh, okay. So not like drunk like a snake. No, no, uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, so uh, apparently... Uh, um, I'm thinking he wants to have one of those ridiculous corset waists, right? Are you are you just padding while you grab another drink? Is that what you're doing? Uh, no, that's... that's um, I don't have enough hands, but that's what I think. Can you, All right, can you explain to me? Please, let me continue. Um... Uh, according to Hollywood.com, uh, back in the day, Nicolas Cage had embarked on a new fitness regime to slim down in an effort to make his waist the same size as a snake's. Uh, what snake? I, well, One of the big ones, I hope. Stick with me here. Um, he explains. He was in South Africa. He was going home from work, and there was a cobra on the road. <laughs> <laughs> End the story now. No. End the story with no. the cobra on the road. There's a cobra on the road, Leave right? Leave it to my imagination. I, really? No, Come on, no, you want to... No, okay. And he said, and he, he, he says that he says this. So I don't know whether he said it out loud, but he says he says it. He's clearly said it out loud. Was, was there anyone in the car? No, I, said I don't know. I think he's monologuing to himself. He says, <laughs> this animal's beautiful. No, he says someone is in the car because he says, this animal's beautiful. Back up the car. <laughs> Let's look at it. So I don't know. I'm assuming he's asking the driver to, to back up. They're both st- st- sitting in the car looking at it. Um... He goes on to say that the cobra saw us and he reared up his head, he hissed at us, and then he lunged at the car and attacked the tire of the car that we were in. Now, this is um, Cage. And then we ran over him. And No, no, no. This is Cage, and I quote Hollywood.com, who's quoting him. Yeah. That night I went home and I had a dream about the snake, and I thought, man, I'd like to have a snake waist. <laughs> that animal has... Snakes don't have waists. Don't. They ha- sorry. <laughs> do they know? Do, are they segmented? Like, do science because they have an oh, anus? Well, they... all right. We're getting into some kind of biology podcast Look, territory here, but if the one person who's I believe writing... there's some kind of vestigial, there's probably like a vestigial pelvisy thing there. Look, but it's the same as their shoulders. If that's the case, you might as well say, oh, you... "I want to be snake shouldered." Do you think we could get says that? Do you think we could get the hashtag vestigial pelvis going? <laughs> Hashtag vestigial pelvis. <laughs> there it is. Please, come on. Get it out there. Look for it. Anyway, he went home. He wanted to have a snake waist. That animal has a two-inch waist. I'd like to be snake wasted. I'm a 30 t- I'm, I'm 32, so I've been working out ever since. I cut the portions down. 32-inch? And yeah. it... Um, or, or 32 years he's old. He's 32. Pa- well, no, I'm a 32, so it's my mistake. It's my reading. He's 32, 32 pant. 
I'm fatter than him. This was, Can we edit that out? We can't. This was, but I don't know what, it, this was a few years ago, so. Hmm. And he's put, I, look, when he had Vince Neil on that headlock, he had, a, he had a bit of weight behind him. He's doing all right. Well, he's tall. Anyway, anyway should you, should you want to challenge Sorry. that, you've got to cut down the portions and, uh, and go five to eight miles of running each day. Five to that's eight what, miles, that's a lot. There's not a follow-up, though, to know. It. It's like when I saw Sheila, and I know I don't want to talk about it anymore than I absolutely have to. Sheila Buff on Ellen claimed to be running 10 miles a day. Like, yep, that's every day. Yep, okay. Shut up, you. In all fairness, what else does Sheila Booth have to do right now? She's <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for Sierra to call again. Yeah, yeah, involved. no, no. Uh, on on the set of Fury, uh, Brad Pitt totally talked to me and looked me in the eye while he was doing it as well. All right. Multiple times. Anyway. Anyway, excellent. Thank you. So there's there's a bit of Cage. Now, let's uh, tonight we're obviously we're going to be looking at um, two of his films, and we've gone for a great director's theme. But just quickly before we get to that, I think it's important that we um, establish like Cage and his acting style. Now, you um, you what's the acting style that you read about? Well, I, I've I've seen Cage refer to his acting style as nouveau shamanic. Yeah, as in the shaman, the shaman. Uh, sort of the witch doctor spiritual kind of thing. He, and I, and I tried to find a clip of this, and I couldn't find it, and I couldn't find where I read this, but he's basically saying that um, he's a big art fan, and he's mm. saying that when it comes Spirituality. to... Spirituality. When it comes to art and painting and things like that, that, there are lots of different styles. You know, you have... And I don't know anything about painting, so yeah, I really wish I had the one article. with all the paint blots everywhere? Yeah, that you one? know, well, the one where you colour the numbers, yeah. that one... <laughs> That's right, that, where you draw them I believe, the Mona Lisa. I believe that one is Jennifer Aniston's <laughs> acting style. I believe she she subscribes to that school. Oh, let's uh, let's analogize this later, but that's I, that's worth looking up. <laughs> it is. But basically he says that, you know, there's naturalistic painting styles and then there's there's surrealism and you can paint with lots of different brushes and lots of different styles and that's what he likes to do with his acting. Now the the the, the, the sh- I can never pronounce the shaman thing that you're telling me. I, I think I say it differently every time. Nouveau sh- shamanism. I'm going to go back and check yeah. that and check your pronunciation. Shaman shamanism. Shaman. Uh, yeah. Specifically, when he was referring to that style of acting, he was talking about uh, the sequel to Ghost Rider that he did, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Uh, he was talking exclusively to, to Ode. I don't know what that is, but that is that is the, the YouTube page that I visited. And here is a little bit of Cage talking specifically about that acting style. I've been told that um, all actors really hail from the early medicine men and the, and the shamans in the villages pre-Christianity where they would put on masks and, and act out. And, and really, would, they were probably pretty crazy, but they would go in and find answers to questions. Today, you're called psychotic if you do that. But it's all, it's all uh, semantics. So what I would do is I'd put on Afro-Caribbean paint, like a white and black paint, and black out my eyes. So I look like this sort of Afro-Caribbean voodoo icon. And then I would sew in bits of uh, Egyptian artifacts that were thousands of years old into my costume and gather some onyx or tourmaline or something that was meant to have vibrations. And who knows if it works or doesn't. But for me, it was an idea of like trying to stimulate my my mind or trick my mind into believing I was this this character from another dimension and I would walk on the set and then wouldn't speak to anybody wouldn't say a word so I projected this aura of uh, horror which created fear in my fellow actors which then inspired me to believe I really was this character and I don't see what is wrong with that no I think that that is acting it's true but where 
where are you getting these <laughs> thousand-year-old Egyptian artifacts? It's, Who's is what? Is Sony fitting the bill for that? Oh, absolutely. Well, it, he probably bought them from whoever bootlegged his dinosaur skull. Yeah, to be honest. But but setting all that aside, he did mention something about it being well. I don't know if it works or not. So you can take this read that I don't even know if it's a thousand years old or not. But uh, the representation of it and and you know getting things going. Acting is a crazy thing to do for a career or at all. So approaching it in this way makes perfect sense to me. No, I'm, I'm, I can honestly say I've never seen that clip before in my life, and my life is the poorer for it. I'm going to watch it every day from now on and kind of go, you know what? I think there's some lessons to be learned for all of us. Can you, can you, can you see me right now? Because I think you're seeing for the first time. I after. Can, have you got some thousand-year-old things sewn into the hem of your undergarments? I there? do. <laughs> I just find the oldest stuff I can around the house. Yeah, your undergarments are yeah. the oldest thing. Yeah, around. yeah, yeah, yeah. A thousand years without washing. Anytime now. a grandparent passes away, anything that's left to me, I'm just sewing it into my... Oh, I've got some finger bones, yeah, inserted into my rectum of people that are very dear to me, and you know, I, I take them out and wash them and put them back. <laughs> but um, all right, well, good, yeah. So and and then the, the so Cage is obviously he obviously approaches each role different, but that gives you a little bit of an overview of. We might need to come up with a whole other podcast just talking about how amazing and like weird and fantastic Cage is because. We're going to get to the movies shortly, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. We will. But um, and just to know, you know, there's there's obviously uh, plenty uh, movies ahead. And this is Cage spoke uh, just recently. Well, as recently as uh, rec- recording um, an interview for Joe, um, just to give us a little bit of a uh, an update on, on on how he plans to, uh, to 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 map out his career in the future. Here it is. Well, I'm a working dog. I mean, I love to work. There's no secret to that. I mean, but the irony is that the film industry is one of the only industries where you get criticized for work a lot but that's okay the the, the thing is uh, I'm gonna keep working and uh, I'm gonna keep trying to take chances and and keep trying to go outside of my own comfort zone which means if I want to make a horror movie whether people get it or not I'm gonna make it and uh, see what I can do with that or if I want to make a, a comedy family comedy about a sorcerer I'll do that or a big animated family movie or I mean it's not always understood my choices and that's okay but I I think if you look carefully at my filmography, there's always going to be some return to my independently spirited dramatic roots, like a bad lieutenant or a lord of war or a world trade center or a weatherman. But um, but I'm also going to try and keep going with adventure and horror. And I like being eclectic. I, I, li- I want to do it all. I think if we look at your filmography, Nicholas, we'll find a huge spike in your adventure and your commercial films right when your bank account takes a dip and your creditors are chasing after you, dick. Look at it. Like, I, mean, I, still, I still love him, but, uh, man, look, I'm a oh, parent, oh. and I go, oh, it's, I work hard. And you is it. No one ever criticizes. Like, shut up. No, he's – look, let's keep, he, also let's keep it him, positive. Shut up. <laughs> you, are, you are a roller coaster of emotions on this. I was, I was about to come back from that and go, yeah, fuck you, audience. He does what he wants. And But and, amen. I, I, I did. That was the take-home point. Of like, yeah, you know. And I've read that. I was kind of like, well, I, I don't do this for whatever. I do it because – I'm around, I'm a living, and I'm going to do things that entertain me and amuse me and carry on. And if, if I that am means able to pay out my credit card bill at the end of the month, then all the better. So be it. All right. <laughs> now that you, you, seem a, you seem a confused man. and I, oh, think this is I am. It's a journey of discovery that's, you know, it's like coming home and finding the person you fell in love with just cheating with the mailman or something. But you also wanted to cheat with the mailman. So it's kind of okay, and you'll have a big threesome. Hey, there's a sexy mailman in um, this hood. I do not hold that against you. 
I think it's about time we get into our categories for tonight. So uh, each fortnight when these podcasts drop, we'll be uh, covering a different category of cage film. Um, and to kick things off, we didn't want to go crazy straight away. We know there's your vampires kisses out there. There's your Wicked Men. But uh, we're going to save that for a special occasion. And we've decided to do a top directors working with Cage. So we decided to pick two very well-known directors or directing teams and, uh, and look at the films that they've done with Cage. So uh, uh, will I name both? Yeah, why not? Why, Let's do, not? why not? Well, well, we've looked at Snake Eyes, uh, directed by Brian De Palma, and uh, Raising Arizona, by uh, technically directed by Joel Ethan Cohen. But it's kind of a nod and a wink that they're both there. They produce and direct, and it's all very... They're talking about it at night. When they go home, I, I imagine the Cohen brothers, very similar to Bert and Ernie. They're going into their, their yeah. room. Like each of them has a bed. They, <laughs> they, they, they discuss the film. That is the, the next, single the next greatest day. mental image I've had today. You're welcome. Um, yeah. uh, I was previously thinking of it as a matter of, well, Ethan's sick today, so I'll be doing some directing and... He might be doing some working from home production stuff. Anyway, I haven't seen I haven't seen a picture of them. Right. I imagine one of them having a mustache and one of them not, and they're being able One's to swap long hair between and the mustache. Doesn't. I think one has glasses and one doesn't. I can't remember which, what the combo is. That's by the uh, bar. I think it hit us up on at Cage v Cage. Nice Twitter that drop. Twitter that is that's a Twitter handle at Cage v Cage. Get on board. Tell us we're a bunch of. You tell us whatever. Tell us to. To never do this again if that's Tell how us you, you love us. Whatever you want to do, hit us up at Cage v Cage and let us know what you think, your thoughts, if we got anything wrong. We will be going for 82 films worth. Uh, that's basically 82 weeks. It's one podcast every two weeks, two films per podcast. I uh, crunch the numbers. I work with Excel a lot in my day job. Certainly I do. can concatenate something if you yeah. want. Anyway, 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 look, Cage is still going to be cranking out the film, so I don't even know whether the math is going to work. We've got five dropping this year alone. At least. Did you have any thoughts on the five coming out this year? No. I, look, I've only, I've only seen that. I've checked out the trailer uh, to uh, USS Indianapolis. Mm. Uh, Men, Men of Honor? Is it Men of Honor? Something Could like that. Be. I believe that's a ship that's referenced in Jaws by Quint. You are onto well. it. Well, yeah. So all my, this, I mean, could almost be seen as a prequel to Jaws. I think at <gasps> one stage it was talked about as being, but I don't oh think so. Oh my god! Look for Robert Shaw lookalikes in the car. Exactly. But look, it's Cage and it's and it's sharks. It's all Cage it's all and sharks and mystery and steel-jawed, gritted, determined. I'm looking forward to this one already. I am too. The trailer's out there. Check it out now. Let's get into our uh, first film of the evening, though, don't you think? Snake Eyes. Mr. Brian De Palma. Let's talk Snake Eyes. Now, Brian De Palma is the director that brought us uh, such masterpieces of subtlety as Scarface, that uh, nuanced, highly uh, delicate picture of Cuban-American relations that he brought about by getting Al Pacino and forcing him to be into a tanning bed until he lost the ability to speak English and said things like, Hey, I'm going to come to you, man. Brilliant. Uh, lots of violence. Lots of long tracking shots are his specialty, and he's uh, he's got some big stars in his repertoire in the backing catalogs. This is Spacek, uh, John Travolta, Carrie, John Travolta in the same film. He's ca- also in Blowout. Have you seen Blowout? Blowout? Yes. No, For some I reason, this film. I mean, it's worth mentioning. He has worn Cage's face after all. Um, oh my. Well, yeah, different story. But yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, this, for some reason, this film, and I know we're about to get into it, reminded me a lot about of Blowout. I don't know, just because there was political stuff going on on uh, the TV. I've not seen Blowout, but I read about it, and I thought, yeah, I definitely noticed the similarities. Just quickly, that. starts as a slasher movie, so you start as a slash thing, then it turns out being a movie within a movie. John Travolta, he's a sound guy. He, uh, he does, like, all the sound effects and stuff in the film. He's a Foley artist. He's out trying to record sound effects one night. You're just out recording nature, minding his own business. A car comes along the road, turns <laughs> out... Brilliant. 
There's a senator in the car. Oh, I'm a senator. Excellent. Um, drive your Next minute. Oh, it sounds like there's a tire blowout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But John Travolta, he's got the ears for this oh, kind. John Travolta, that didn't sound right. Hey. Uh, he, hey. uh, he. Look at my chin. It's got like yeah. a dimple in it. Jeez. That sounds, that didn't sound like a blowout. I don't know. That's an awful Travolta. He, no, perfect frame it, put it on the wall. Move on. Done. It's there. He thinks that it is uh, more than that. He, well, he doesn't think. He knows that it's more than that. Someone has shot at the good senator, made the car run off the road. Look, I'm not going to spoil anymore. Anyway, it's a great, it's a great film. My Check only question is, why do we not staff our police department solely with Foley artists if I, they're so good at identifying crimes? You'd want at least one on the team. I think, you know, when you... They've got the sketch artist, get a Foley artist. Why not? Anyway. You've got visuals. Where's your audio? Yeah, anyway. And yeah. What, are they just walking around the streets constantly uh, listening uh, for Palmer crime? Palmer also did The Untouchables. He did. Uh, where he managed to make Kevin Costner resemble a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a sterling effort when faced with Robert De Niro, who is... I think I think the equation is coming like ten times a human being, Robert De Niro. is. Um, yeah, he's quantum human. Of c- yeah. Um, um, dress to kill. Um, I was I was about to spoil the ending, but it's got Michael Caine in it. I want to be careful what I say there. Uh, and also, um, Phantom of the Paradise. Are you familiar with that musical? Uh, musical? Are you yeah. kidding me? Uh, yeah. Anyway, check it out if you uh, have. I will. Anyway, but right now we are talking Snake Eyes. Let's have a look. I'm on TV. Hi, Rick Santoro. Hello, Richard Santoro. I'm Ricky, and I am the king. Pepperoni, sausage, Canadian bacon. Listen, why don't you just get to deluxe and save time, all right? Look, I got business. Call me back in five. There he is! There's the man whose life I want! <laughs> and now, the distinguished Secretary of Defense. Great okay. idea to put a flashing light on your head while you're at it. Well, why are you so uptight? It's fight night! I'm running security tonight. I got a lot on my mind. Watch carefully. That seem right to you? Kevin, that is right in so many ways. No, I mean beautiful woman alone at a fight. A crime is about to be committed. Now listen to me, Mr. Secretary. I am telling you, you're the one that's going to be sorry. You will be a witness. And the hardest thing to spot will be the truth. I'm a homicide detective and a material witness. You can't hold 14,000 people. There's 14,000 eyewitnesses! You got 1,500 cameras. 800 on the casino side, 720 on the hotel side. What are you looking for? Exactly when they wanted you to. They didn't miss him with that second shot. They missed you. I'm betting that the redhead you follow is the same person who told Tyler to throw the fight. She's one. Shooter's two. Tyler's three. The drunk who shot the signal's four. And whoever was on the other end of that radio was five. Five people make a conspiracy, right? It sounds like he's conducting a very dangerous investigation. I'm not gonna let you kill her. Please, Rick. You're all alone on this. All right, so Snake Eyes, Nicolas Cage plays a crooked cop in Atlantic City, and the film leads us to believe there aren't any other kinds of cop in Atlantic City at the time. Uh, it's fight night. His old neighborhood friend, Gary Sneeze, who's now a Navy commander or something uh, in charge of the Secretary of Defense security detail, is there. They're palling about. 
Secretary of Defense is killed. Oh, no, it's an assassination attempt. And, of course, it's a conspiracy because no one just ever takes a shot at Secretary of Defense anymore. And also, as Cage tells us, because there's five people involved, that's a conspiracy. Five is a conspiracy? Put that in your math. Well, there's four. He says he counts five. five. Five, yeah. He counts five. I saw four people. Three of them were shooting, and then one of them was driving the car. That's not a conspiracy. That's just a random accident. Uh, uh, and, of course, and um, it, it turns out the Sneece is the bad guys, the turncoat, and I don't feel bad spoiling this because De Palma himself said that wasn't the point, that I'll know the mystery of who done it. It was the, the relationship between the two old friends, and then inevitably the confrontation ensues between the police detective crunching the murder and his old friend and the loyalties that lie between them. Of course, and this film dropped in 1998 with the tagline, he's got 14,000 eyewitnesses and no one saw a thing. Because it, it happens at fight night. They, once, the, once the shot's been taken and the senator's down, they, they lock down and there's all of these witnesses. So I don't know where, I don't know where these witnesses are, by the way. They, they seem to disappear. They went quickly. to the casino. Did you not see it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just fucking gambles. Like, they'll let us in the casino. It's all part of the complex. I did admit, um, when I first came across it, I was pretty intrigued with that because it was uh, in, in the... The, the blossoming bud of uh, Big Brother surveillance in the, I guess, late 90s. And I was like, oh, no, they wouldn't possibly go ahead with that. And, of course, many years later now, thanks to Edward Snowden, who's also another film featuring Cage coming out this year. I believe so, yes. Okay. Oliver Stone, um, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And then the dishy Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Levitt? Who's... Levitt? Is that, what has he got? An, that. Was he got an omelet in his uh, name? Is that, is that how you say that thing? <laughs> we're, I, I we're like to say it with a little spring in my step. Uh, Levit. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, I've seen ten things ahead about you. I know he's, he's he'd be up for that. Yeah. Uh, oh, gee whiz. Anyway, you're, you're you're in the middle of that talking about. So it's, it's obviously there's a, there's a big fight going on. This happens, and 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 yeah. Um, Nicholas Cage plays uh, Ricky Santoro. Ricky he's a bit. Santoro. Of, he's a bit of a, a corrupt. Cop and and most people, if they haven't seen this movie, most people I talked to when I was talking to them about the old podcast, they weren't f- maybe familiar with the film, but they were definitely familiar I with the, the front say, image, uh, indeed, the, the, the poster, the poster. And I think I know why that is because I was familiar with Snake Eyes because I got a copy of the DVD free when I bought my DVD player uh, in 1999. <laughs> You'll recognise this is one year after the film came out. Uh, along with four other DVDs. It was like a five DVD, and Snake Eyes was one of them. This so is, it, wasn't this like, is... it wasn't like, buy this DVD player and get Snake Eyes. Like, yeah, I get five DVDs that we happen to have lying on the floor. Was Surely one of the others was Forrest Gump. Uh, no, no, I think the, the licensing fees would have been a bit higher on Independence Day. Gump. No. Oh, but, hey, to Snake Eyes' credit, it's the only one that I remember actually receiving there we that go. DVD player. It's like... He's looking at me from the cover. It's like... Well, look, and it's, he's got a great look. I'm, and I'm sure Cage yeah. himself had a bit of a say in where the look goes. And he's even got the uh, the golden uh, cell flip felt, flip cell phone that goes and along with was it. Was it just me or were you just looking at that going, how big is that phone? Mm. 
Is that, that was a, it's a heavy phone the man's carrying I'm around. I'm sure he's improvising half those calls. Yeah. Now, um, so uh, w- the film starts. We get a little bit of a news report. There's a there's a hurricane. Mm. It's a hurricane, right? Because I think she calls it a tornado, and they want it's her specifically. It's a tropical storm because they're saying technically it's a tropical storm, but it's like it's pretty much a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So they're very specific about that, and then we 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 cut inside, and we pretty much we meet Ricky I'm Santoro straight gonna away. Just going to cut to my notes here. The first note I have from watching this film is less than two minutes in. All caps, CAGE! Because he, he's just bursts onto the scene. He comes out swinging. I'm Ricky Santora, I'm on TV. Man, he, like, looking at reviews online of this film, if people liked it, if they didn't like it, people will admit that this film opens strong. And it does open with your classic De Palma oh, long absolutely. shot. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you love those shots, those long shots, the tracking shots are good. Yeah, now apparently, like, obviously this it wasn't all in one shot. There's a couple of sneaky edits so You can check out the trivia on IMDb. They, they break it down. Someone's gone on there and given you the, oh, the time codes. Them. But it does, it does open strong with that, with that, one, with that one shot. Uh, now, going back to your little comment about the cobra and so on i've got a lot of notes here about oily snaky languid drawn out kind of his his performance possibly due to the title he's thinking snakiness um but it definitely fits with the character of Santoro. he's slimy slippery he's, he's a player and he's in his natural environment it's fighting on atlantic city these are the people he knows this is where he makes his money this is where he has his power. He's pumped about Fight Night too. At, at least three times, oh my god, he yells out that that it is Fight Night. And like I said, it's coming with a it's a, coming with a lot of Cage energy in this type of thing. His outfits Cageified. He's there, and we're, we're pretty much tracking him through. And he, I think, he owns this opening sequence. Yep. There's a great uh, line as he, he he beats up the guy to get money. He's owed him, and he makes a bet with that same money. He gives it to the guy. He goes, "There's blood all over." It. Well, aren't you delicate? I'm going to have to stop you there. Do you realise who he beats up? It's Louise. It's Louise Guzman. Oh, yeah, no. yes, my friend, Louise Guzman. And the, oh my uh, look, god, I'm so racist. I just saw like ethnic stereotype. No, that's it. Look, it's a, look. Guzman's cool. He'd be fine with that. He's he's <laughs> like. <laughs> He's he'd probably prefer it. That's like I get more roles the more people think that. I, like I'm excited about I'm excited about this. Look, look he did have some. Look, you've brought this up. I'm going to stay here now. I, want, I did want it. to talk about how he interacts with the the, the champ Tyler Lincoln oh, Tyler. Oh, I got more of that from later. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But he's pretty excited to see Tyler. He's you know busting out a bit of bit of song H- and dance. H- happy H- to M- see P. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that uh, later. But yeah, but Louise Guzman he comes across and and to me. I mean, People don't know who Louise Guzman is. I think, like, I think he's what Ocean's was he in the Ocean's Eleven films? Mm. I don't know whether he was. He was definitely in the sequel, to, and I don't can't believe I'm. Doing, he was definitely in the sequel to Journey to the Center of the Earth. Now, the the, the first one starred there was a sequel. To uh, yep, Brendan Fraser. The second one starred The Rock. He lifts yeah, any yeah. any sequel, and I think Louise Guzman was the the wacky plane pilot. He's always like the wacky be. the wacky offsider to me. Louise Guzman is the parsley on the plate. He makes I any movie. I'd like to see a movie where Louise Guzman is just slitting someone's throat while joyfully masturbating. It's like, there's no way you are a jolly sidekick. You're actually, you're but not you, right. What do you sense? What do you sense? What? So, something evil lurking behind him? No, no. I just, I'm just saying he doesn't have the star power to be like a lead. No, but but he compliments any film, is what I'm saying. Well, he does. He does. It's just you know, wacky sidekick. It's, Anyway, let's get off the case. The film did that. That film did well. Anyway, whatever. He's here and he's going. To, he's going toe to toe with Cage. And I like their their interaction is great. I've got in my notes here. I've got no, yes, 
um, which which is what they're they're yelling at each other. I think Louise mm. uh, Guzman yells no in protest, and Cage uh, yells back at him yes. He's yelling a bit pitifully, is the way I remember it. <sighs> Look, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to play. But he's acting pitifully. Like we're gonna have to go to the clip, but what yeah. I want you, what I want you really to to look out for is because mm. this this film does seem very over the top in everything that's done, right? Mm. Um, and the thing that I notice most of all is, and and this will be great that people are listening to this, is the over the top sound when Nick Nick Cage pulls Louise Guzman's jacket off, pushes him to the ground, and then and then whips him with it. There's a great whip sound effect in there. They've they've punched the sound effects up to eleven. Uh, <laughs> let's take a listen. What? What, what, what do you want? What do you think? No. Yes. No, come on. This is not fair, man. Come on. Call the cop. No. Hey. No. Get out of here, man. You've got the wrong attitude about all this, Cyrus. you got to keep positive. You see, when we have these little visits, I allow you, I permit you, I give you the opportunity to pay for all the extra police work that you create. Yeah, I think you might have had a two-by-four in the back of that jacket. <laughs> this is full-on Indiana Jones whip-crack <laughs> sound effect. And the the best thing is, you probably heard it there, he just... He and the t- coins. <laughs> yeah, and the, and he tapped... And bullets. He tap-dances the shit out of Louise Guzman's bullets. He just... <laughs> It's a it's a it's a beautiful beautiful piece of interaction and and even though it's a small role I was I was happy to see him there. Everybody loves Rick Santoro. Well, he will totally be mayor with that kind of attitude. It, well, he wants to be mayor. He right? wants That's, to be mayor. He should be like, and you know what? That's a modest ambition. I say go with it. But how is he going to be mayor? He's a dirtbag, as we as we oh, see in the beginning. A, he gets a he gets a call from his mistress. He gets a call. No, from he's, he's cool from his his mistress and he's his cheating wife. on his girlfriend from. Oh right, because he's he's got a he's got a girlfriend and a wife and this. Oh, maybe there's three of them because he was flirting with that card girl as well with the seven. Yes, oh, lucky, you're lucky number, number seven. Your lucky number. But his wife or his girlfriend, she's ordering some kind of pizza. He's very adamant that she gets that pizza order right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the thing I got. To, I've noted along here, like the phone calls. Uh, some of them seem improv. There's there's a note here. Angela's happy. Where he's talking to Sinise, he's like having a go at him for cheating. He's kind of he gets actually draws back and gets a bit tight. It's like, well, so go, you know. Well, I think uh, so. It's not all big eyes and shouting. He's got a bit of that as well. No, the, I, I do believe the way he ex- uh, explains Angela, who I, I believe is his wife, is she's fat, fantastic. I love her. That's out now. Those all sound very positive. There you are. Um, while we're on the subject of Sinise. Uh, right, are you are you a big Gary Sinise fan? Uh, I do like a classically trained squinter like Sinise. He like is, he's got he some is. heritage behind him, and he knows how to work those upper eyelids so that he's not looking completely at you. So, what look? What is Sinise's? What is Sinise's big right? What's Sinise known for? Well, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan, Dan, yeah, Forrest um, Gump in the, sh- the not the Shining. Um, he is in the Shining. The stand, the stand. He's in the stand. But he's, he was also in the TV uh, miniseries or movie version of the Shining. The uh, one that's Ransom the playing one a character very similar to yeah. the one in Snake Eyes. Has he ever been great? This was my thing. Like we I all would know, say no. Uh, my highest recommendation for Sinise would be in Of Mice and Men, opposite his old buddy John Malkovich. Yes. But Which I don't believe scaled any particular heights critically or commercially. No. Now, now look, I'm not knocking him because I, no. I, I was interested. I went I looked into this. He, he created these... He takes himself very seriously, which is kind of fun to see him opposite he do- he Cage. Do- he also takes himself seriously, but in a nouveau shamanic way. <laughs> Sinise is kind of like... Had- Sinise is like, ugh, press interviews. I've got to do press interviews now. You, why don't you just watch the movie? What are you going to talk to me? I'm an actor. Sinise had so, sh- I'm just an actor. I don't do anything. He had shit sewn into the lining of his jacket. <laughs> and 
but but this thing, tax, he, so he is. Down, he, he is he is a classically trained actor. He started like that whole mm. Steppenwolf Theatre Company Absolutely, or whatever yeah, that, yeah. in the States, which is very, very big. He's got a band called Lieutenant Dan. He wants to oh keep reminding God. people that he's doing that. And that's the thing. I was thinking back. He's most known for Lieutenant Dan. But but what do you remember most about Lieutenant Dan? No legs. There it is. No legs. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly we, what... Remember the things that weren't there. Yeah. All, I, all we remember is no legs. And we remember seeing the behind-the-scenes... Uh, the show that they aired in prime time and seeing how they removed his legs. That's I remember him giving Forrest Gump some money and saying, why don't you head to the store and get me a bottle of Ripple? Yeah, that's, that's it. I love, I want to drink Ripple. That sounds good. It does sound good. <laughs> so we've got Sinise in there. And look, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit disappointed because when we were talking about this beforehand, I, I, before we'd seen the film, I remember you sending me a text saying that Sinise is going to chew the scenery. And I, I didn't get enough I... scenery chewing from Sinise. No. Not in this. I, um... I may have misremembered it, but I think I, I in the context of, of the gravity of Sinise's part in this film, I remembered it correctly. He's a big part in this. He's got some very good scenes. There's um, was it where he's talking about, and I, we're not spoiling anything by saying he's, he's the betrayer, because he is. De Palma um, wants that, if anything, because it's yeah, not yeah, about exactly. who the betrayer about, is. It's about the relationship. He's got to, he talks about how he's betray- having the... Um, Secretary killed because he wants his missile system in because he was on a ship that was struck and he had to watch men die and drown. I was like, this quiet kind of... I don't believe there was a zoom, but it kind of felt like there was this slow zoom on his face as he's thinking back to it. And, and that's... I mean, it's, it's, it seems like low-level Sinise, but no, it, was a, it was very fitting for the film uh, as it is and very enjoyable. Well done. Great <laughs> Sinise defense. <laughs> but speaking of chewing... My name is Gary Sinise, and I squint a lot. Speaking of chewing uh, the scenery, um, a lot of people have um, some small roles in this. And John Hurd. This is John Hurd, not John Hurt. Used to always confuse me. John uh, Hurd. He's the, the military dad f- guy, right? The, the, he's uh, working... Military industrial... Working offside the senator. He's helping the... He's on the senator's team somehow, but, but he... Uh, he's also one of the five... Is he not the one that f- pays for the conspiracy to have the pot- senator killed? Am I... The defense secretary, am I... Potentially. He was... He was... No, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's talking to Sinise. Yeah, he does talk to Sinise. Yeah, he does some... John Hurd as pal. But he, God, yeah, that's him. All right, it is him. Well, he's in there. <laughs> you may remember him as Kevin McAllister's dad from Home Alone. That's where... I do. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, which which I was concerned for for the senator when the senator gets shot and John Hurd is leading him out on a stretcher saying, "Don't worry, senator, everything's going to be okay." Now the secretary, last time secretary. I saw, sorry, secretary, last time I saw John Hurd leading someone away was when he was leading a eight year old boy through an airport, and when he took his that didn't end well. He took his family to Florida. Kid ended up in New York. I'm not. I'm not relying on Hurt. But he does. He does chew more scenery. He, he, I, I think he's he's pretty good. He's, he's great. When he realizes the conspiracy is about to be blown, he starts going, "Wow, well, I paid you for this." And I, is it just me, or do you also get John Hurt confused with? I think it's um, Christopher McKellen from Spinal Tap guy. Christopher. Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. Looks a bit like him. I know he's been in a few things. Looks a bit like him. Short hair, white man. Yeah, Christopher Guest <laughs> is always we- usually wearing a funny mustache. So that's, that's that usually separates that, that the two. That helps. Yeah, yeah, it tends to be a comedy. <laughs> anyway, so look, we, we are getting a little work. bit along in the tooth in our in our mm. re- review mm. of Snake Eyes. So let's um let's jump through to, to some some highlights. Um, 
as as we make our way through. Obviously, Cage is a big fan of Lincoln Tyler, the uh, the boxer. He, he um and and he threw the fight right. So he's he, he was part, was his part of the distraction. And that's uh, a number of Lincoln Tyler. You bring that up makes me think. There's a number of parts in this. Uh, John Hurd's part, uh, Lincoln Tyler. Uh, they're not self-contained, but they've got some really good moments. Like they're talking about their motivations before. Well, you know, I threw the fight because of this and that and the other. I didn't know they were going to kill anyone. And 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 there's some really good. I think I think we've got a credit to Palmer for those moments where you're able to draw that out of the characters. And um, and well, it's happening to Cage all the way through. Um, we're starting big in the beginning, get a bit softer in the middle to allow these performances to come out. And then then at the end. Did you enjoy those? Because this is this is I'm just going to come out and say this now. Snake Eyes, S- yeah, Loved it. Snake Eyes started off really like for me started off strong, out strong, the, huge. out the gate. Cage yeah. is there, his craziness. Obviously, he's he's going to go around and interview all these people. I mean, there's fourteen thousand witnesses. No one saw a thing. He's got to go around and investigate people. Um, it's in the investigations where I started to sort of wander a little bit, and you lost he some loo- of that. He moves to the background, that's he, for sure. He does, and he pulls the energy back. And we see reenactments told by people, and we see it point yeah, of view through their eyes. View, yeah. That's where I, I felt it kind of waning. I did make a note here. Obviously, um, Sinise is on a CSI at the moment. Are you aware of this? I'm not. Why is Sinise on a CSI, and why is not Ricky Santoro have his own CSI? Oh, I see CSI <laughs> Atlantic City. That's some. Each week he's out there trying to trying to solve a crime. He, he and gets then there's every so often there's an episode that's like, well, someone just pays him enough to go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that, I'm pretty sure that crime was solved by this hobo over here committed it. Well, he gets stuck. <laughs> Louis, he's got to go to his informant, Louise Guzman. Guzman. He gets in there. He stomps the shit out of his bullets. He gets some answers. That is a show I would come back week after you know week to what? watch. That's uh, get on it. Program content developers. Hashtag CSI Atlantic CSI City. Santoro. With Ricky Santoro. I would I would watch that. Anyway, so that's what I found as as he moved around. I loved his like Cage interacting with people was good and like I said before, his craziness punctuates moments. So when they're flashing back, you're like, Oh, that's right, that's where he did the 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 the, the, the crazy yeah. the crazy stuff. Yeah. I was trying to work out what you were gesturing to me off mic then. That's why I was a little what were you saying? I was just trying to get it. Okay, excellent. So you you do that while we while I go through. So obviously the investigation um, continues. It's not as though that it's not brilliantly shot. I mean, De Palma pulls out all the tricks. There's some some great overhead shots going on, but for me in this part of the film is where things really really sort of start to slow down a bit. Cage's performance takes a little bit of a backseat as we've seen, and he's really not sort of kicking it up to eleven. Uh, like he is straight out the gate at the start. So that's the biggest problem for me. I say the energy sort of dies off in the centre. What say you? It totally uh, dies is an awfully strong word. Like I stand by my initial judgment that uh, Cage draws into the background to uh, to allow the other character actors to shine. You know, uh, we've got the box, we've got Louise Guzman, we've got uh, uh, the weapons industry guy, we've got even uh, Carla Gugino, Gugino. Bless her. I know she's trying hard. I know it's not her fault that Hollywood has made women into be. You you look lovely, so that's it's pretty boobs. much all you need to be. That's all they. That's all um, they've but made her do. Yeah, she's that 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 her, her role for me was where it was kind of going. Yeah, because yeah, it's a slower point. This is just it's harder to sustain. So yeah, it loses it in the middle. I just I, look. I I find that it lacks the thrillerness in the center. Like I mean, I know that the part. Oh, totally. It's yeah, classified yeah. as a thriller, but I go. Really, thriller? Yeah, and like if it, a conspiracy 
No, not even conspiracy. No, I don't. I don't know what's going on with the fucking missiles. It's do you know? Do you know what was happening with all of that? I I just don't feel like we were inside enough to know what's going on. And I know it's it not seemed unimportant. And I guess it was because they're talking about the murder rather than the the missile testing and all that. Um, but but see, uh, this is in 1998, and what uh, when it was Jackie Brown it was about the same time, I guess, which had a similar kind of same events. Uh, different perspectives take on it, so it was an emerging not genre but way of doing it. I don't know. I think that that probably work, if that's the same kind of thing. I think that worked slightly better. But the the problem the problem being though, Mr. De Palma states that you know it's about the relationship between Agreed. Cage and Sinise, and they are, then they split up for that whole time. Agreed. But that is when they're both pursuing the uh, Carla, Carla Gugino's character. Uh, they know she's in a certain room. They're both heading there at the same time. That was good. Like they're both separate, but they're both aware of each other after it. Then kind of, I don't know. I it's just didn't. I still didn't feel thrilled. But it's, it's I was not thrilled. I was too busy thinking, "Hey, the guy in the tech room is the guy from Dumb and Dumber, who like is the assassin who tries." And to also, the guy that she shacks up with is he's in stuff. <laughs> <laughs> fat guy with glasses. Call him. Oh, get him in. He's the only guy. <laughs> Who aren't that guy? I don't know. Like, I love him. Um, as but, you yeah. love him as much as he loves his wife, which he, he stresses so much once it comes up that, uh, that that she's sort of playing him and not willing to sleep with the poor, yeah. the poor man. He sure, he sure does love his wife. Oh, and you know what? As an aside to that, it's like Cage gets to the room first. Pulls the, the John, the unsuspecting John out. They like, get out of here. Go take a walk. He's like, what? That's my hotel room. He's like, oh. Wandering around. Oh, hey, here's a guy in a naval uniform. You'll help me with my hotel-related room. What the fuck? Maybe it was a naval-themed no. Maybe it was a naval-themed oh, hotel. Well, no. Have a circus one. Call in an airstrike. No, that's a bit heavy. No, we'll just actually get your room back, sir. Having said that, though, after all of that, like once we get into that last twenty-minute mark, once Cage and Sinise get back together and they and and it's on, mm. it picks up for me again. Um, and particularly, now, I'm a big fan of this scene. I, I want to know what you think of this. When Cage um, gets sort of captured by Sinise and oh, taken by stage. And the and box of beats. <laughs> <out. laughs> yes. yes. Come champ, on, girly man. He certainly likes teasing. The like, champ does not. Fuck yeah. Champ does not like being called girly man. Oh, and boy, does Rick Santoro like calling him girly man. That would be me. It's like, I mean, I'm kind of screwed. You know what? Work. Earn your money. Sold out, corrupt boxer. boxer. And can I say this? <laughs> Cage knows how to take a punch on screen. I don't know whether you remember the face that he... Cage gets the last punch that sort of smacks him out. He gets sort of hit in the face. Thrown back he tur- and he turns, he turns to camera, and you see his fa- It's a great... God damn it. A, he needs an Academy Award for that. I think maybe Cage gets punched a bit. He gets... Yeah. <laughs> well, especially if he's hanging out with Vince Neil. <laughs> Sure, before the, I don't think Vince connects an awful lot. Well, but well, look, before that, Neil used to be a little bit more on the ball than what he is now, and I'm sure their their friendship spans many decades. Perhaps it was a, <laughs> but it, th- that's another pitch. That's a buddy comedy for Vince Neil and Nicolas Cage, back in the '80s. Just yeah. Oh God, I'd love to see that. But at the same time, I've got written down here: um, Sinise can hear three broken ribs, so he. Cage gets punched and he falls down and Sinise tells Let him, him go, those three broken, broken ribs. ribs. Yeah, he can hear pretty re- So I'm anyway, Texas. And that's where he finally that's where I feel like he finally lets loose is it Sinise then starts to 
to, to catch up to Cage and be the level that I wanted him to be at the whole time. He gets I, bigger, that's for sure. I also wrote down here um, the Academy Award for Best Knocked Out Unconscious Face goes to, and that would have to be Nicolas Cage because I don't know whether you remember the scene. Sinise grabs, <laughs> grabs him by the hair and picks him up to sort of say a few lies to him. And the look on his face... I don't. Oh, my God. I wish I had. Stop this podcast. Most of you probably have already. <laughs> but get on to Snake Eyes. Go to the scene and look at the look. It's on, on ma- YouTube in full. I shouldn't be encouraging no, this. It's on YouTube um, and you can pay Paramount to watch it. So do I that. would do I, that. In fact, I will very soon because I watched it on YouTube. Please do that. No, it was terrible quality, though. I don't feel I owe them any money. <laughs> <laughs> but the look on his face is amazing. And the, and the same goes for uh, the Academy Award for Best uh, uh, Woken Up from just being knocked out. I mean, he does a great job there too. As Beautiful he staggering. Well. I loved he, it. Yeah. Like I initially thought, eh, I thought actually no, he's leaning into it. He's got some, got some nuance, got some subtlety. So now we start really kicking into it. Things start to wind up. Now, um, how did you feel about the ending? Uh, but, but like the ending in the in the sort of boxing arena, wherever we were, casino the whole, place. Look, I'm going to come clean with you. The whole third act to me was I've seen this movie a couple of times, and both times was. I feel like I fell asleep somewhere between the second and third. I was like, "Where? They're in a warehouse? What? Yeah." And he's now. Oh, and he just needs to shot himself. Oh, that that seemed rash. Does he shoot himself? He does in the chest of all places. Does he like, do that? Because to me, silence pistol. How you turn that around? No, that's what I wanted. To me, I'm glad you brought this up because you've just unless it was you. another conspiracy. Well, it's take at least four more people. <laughs> but you, but you have you have opened my eyes to this because what I I didn't realize he shot himself. I thought someone shot him off camera because I was like. Sinise is sure taking a long time to get through that door. He they sort of say to him, you know, he's like, uh, "Game over, you got, you got snake eyes." And I know I do love a good film name call. Oh. And there's twice they they each get it. They, Sinise does the first one, then Cage, true to form, as the victor, gets you know, it Cage, again. You got snake eyes, like. But how do you, how do you beat this kind of delivery? You got snake eyes. So not only do we get that line, but we get to hear it delivered beautifully because he's still got punched up face. And, <laughs> and I'm sure that's genuine rain as well. Exactly. Or maybe he shamanically conjured it. Maybe he did. <laughs> but having said that, the ending to this movie was supposed to be completely different. Um, and it was, I believe, De Palma himself who changed it. Or maybe from, maybe from the, um, maybe a little bit of pressure from the studios. Is it supposed to be a happy ending? Or no. What? Well, originally there was supposed to be like a massive tidal wave comes crashing through. Oh, I did read that, actually. And I thought, that doesn't remember. And then I watched the film and forgot that I'd read you're it. You're right. Apparently it was cut out in post-production, but you can still get like the numerous references of it still coming through. But the, the screenwriter, and, and I'm probably butchering his name here, David Coep, he also wrote Jurassic Park. He wrote... Um, oh, we've got nothing good to say about that guy, right, son, Drew? You son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> no, I love Jurassic Park. Yeah, seriously. so he, he basically said that um, it, it did have the different ending, um, and it was a big tidal wave going through. And apparently, too, uh, Gary Sinise's character didn't die. Nicolas Cage's character saved him. It was the whole relationship thing going on, but apparently the audience were pretty unhappy about that. Kind of seems to be the crux of what De Palma was talking about. Yeah, well, um, and, and apparently the whole thing, they just wanted it to wrap it up because it was like almost like an act of God. It was the divine hand of judgment delivering its wrath down on Sin City. That's what De Palma was going for. Apparently the French loved it. 
they were happy with it, but the American audience uh, it, it didn't go so well, so they changed it. And De Palma didn't even uh, want the. They sh- shot it by all. Well, from what I read here in this they in this article, title? that sounds expensive. Uh, d- it does, but he didn't even want it. Um, the alternate ending included on the DVD because he <laughs> they didn't want people to think he was forced to change it. it apparently, it was his decision. Okay. So there it was. But I th- I thought the movie was very Overall, I think it's a good ending. Uh, yeah, that that could have worked. I, it's very strong. Uh, the title, everything, Act of God overtones are a bit not what you're looking for right now. And the way they go with where he is clearly going to jail. Can I send you a pitch? Can I pitch you where, where the film should have ended? Yeah, yeah. So we, goes too. So, so we... We we end and like the um you got snake guys and Sneezy either shoots himself or it takes a long time to get through the door and someone's like he's taking a while to get through the door we'll shoot him and then we sort of have like the epilogue and you know you see you see Cage gets the certificate yeah uh, the city salutes him yeah, and he yeah. holds the certificate up in the, the air Corvette, no no just a bit where he holds the certificate up in the air and does the best ending freeze no. frame smile. You should have just ended on that, De Palma. Well, ten years earlier, you could have got away with that. Nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, you could have got away with it if it was CSI Atlantic City. That's how you'd end every <laughs> bloody episode. The city congratulating him. Just, he's got a whole wall of he certificates. Got, yeah, well, that was last week. Louise yeah. Guzman in the crowd just <laughs> cursing him because you know he deserves some of the credit. And up goes the certificate. I think that's. But then, what did you think about? Then there's to me, this movie didn't just didn't want to end. It just no. kept going on Agreed. and on and on, well, like Sinise trying page, to get the through a door. The last line of the Wikipedia page mentions, and then it's seen that the Selena's ring is in the foundations of the building. The pouring. I go, who is Selena? I had to read back, and she was the curly redhead one that yeah. gets killed in, and dumped uh, in the first, second act, and he's like just kind of shoots her, like whatever. But like, then, why do we care about her ring? I didn't even notice she was wearing a ring. How no, I. To, is I thought I thing? might have... I wanted I to talk wa- to you about that. I wanted that. to watch the credits to the end to see if I go, it just kept on going. I go, I'm really tired. I did watch the credits to the end. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily for the ring, but for another reason, which I'll get to in a second. Please. But before we do that, then the, what's it, the whole cage talking about the pirates? And Were you still awake at this point? The oh, pirates no, and the lighthouse? The pirates, where is that? To no. me, that felt like an after-school special. Talking about I Dream. I did say it was laboured. Yeah. But I think it's representative of how he's... he's He's given up on his own dreams, and, and it's it's he's disinterested in the future. Well, thank which you. Which is kind of oh, fuck. It's a fucking downer. It is a downer, but hey, at least he got to be on TV. That's what he dropped. Well, that brings yeah. us back up. And it's good that you know it's a downer ending, even if it's such a downplayed downer ending that people are always like. Uh, the happy ending's already happened. Why is the movie still happening? Yeah, that's that's how I felt. <laughs> like if they're gonna end with, oh, and then also he got arrested for corruption charges and went to jail. It's like. Can we make a thing of that rather than just going like it's it's like Animal House with the hey and then after the successful win he went to jail for corruption that would be disappointing. It's like the title card's like oh uh, okay yeah just cut to that don't just have him talk about a dream that is if what I want about a dream give him an extra twenty minutes to enact it or something and I would have been completely disappointed if it wasn't for it. and this is the reason that I sat through the ah. end credits ah. if it if it was not for the theme song now. I love I l- and and this isn't technically a theme song that was written for this movie. It the 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 song is Sin City by Meredith Brooks, who you may remember, who your nineties brain may remember from oh, bitch I'm a fame. Bitch, yeah, I'm yeah, a lover. yeah, yeah. Same same Meredith Brooks. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a, I'm a lot of things. I'm Meredith Brooks, baby. Yep. 
preach. Anyway, <laughs> she uh, she wrote this song, Sin City. I don't think it's specifically for the movie because when I looked it up, um, it was the Snake Eyes version of the song. Ah. So, but it does it happens uh, once again have the words. Um, the house always wins snake eyes in right at the beginning. So I was, I was very happy with that. And, and, um, and that's pretty much all I got to say about snake eyes. But, but if we could probably play out at the end of the podcast with that, it'd be much appreciated. Uh, I think we're all looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because me, I love a good movie theme song. I, I don't know whether you're... Like, once again, earlier we mentioned Patricia Arquette. And of course, mm. she was in Norman mm. Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Which is... It's, it's one of the gold standards. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's far from number one, but you know. It has its own theme song. They sing Dream Warriors. Yeah, are you familiar with the song? Dream Warriors. That's I can it. imagine how it goes. That's actually... That have, are you <laughs> shitting me? That's actually how I it goes. I have no idea. This is how That's it goes. That's what I would have done if I was in the 80s. And go, we need a theme song called Dream Warriors. God, what would you do? Here is all the cocaine in the world. What? Give us this theme song. Give me the theme song now, and then we'll play the real one afterwards and see how close you are, because you are close. Go. Okay. Because they're Dream Warriors, fighting for the truth. They're Dream Warriors. They're gonna live and not die, and that's the truth. All right, this is actually how it sounds. I think we can single-handedly blame Dokken for the hole in the ozone layer, judging by the amount of hairspray used in that video. God damn! If you were alive in the eighties, you would be. I be was alive it. in the eighties. Well, if you were, if you were having a successful uh, hair metal career like Dokken, you could be doing all right. I was a poison man in the eighties. Maybe Def Leppard. Were you a Run DMC fan? Mm, belatedly, not cool. at the time. I don't know whether you remember. So obviously, sometimes these theme songs don't work out so well. Uh, in the case of the Run DMC song for Ghostbusters 2, uh, which goes this, a little... I thought we agreed not to speak of that film, Drew. Well, well this, is, this is it. Could give less of a fuck, even when they're dancing on stage. That, that clip goes for four minutes, and and yeah, well, they're struggling at the forty-second mark to even <laughs> to, to even make a it's few moves. Edited, maybe that was taken from. Yeah. We cut to a lot of footage from the film to save it those was boys. Substandard. Let's put it that way. All right, we are we are way off track right yeah. now. So I think it's time that let's we uh, uh, score it. Yeah, we wrap up. So, uh, like, what is our what is our scoring system? Please, I believe you've developed some Da Vinci Code esque. <laughs> Algorithm to well, I refuse to discuss it with you for fear of uh, contaminating the mathematics, but I've determined a system whereby we might ascertain the greatest Cage film of all time from objective and personal means. So, I've divided the 100% or 100 points into four. Out of 25, we've got a Rotten Tomatoes rating. So, Rotten Tomatoes score out of a percent system, we divide that by four. Uh, we've got a critical, uh, sorry, a commercial success rating, so... Uh, I, I take the money they make over the money they spent and make a percentage out of it. I don't know. Like I say, I work with Excel a lot. Uh, and, and that's another 25. And then I've got my own personal 25 points worth of film feeling. I rate it out of 100, divided by 4, because I like to put that little slash figure in my uh, in my spreadsheets. Uh, oh and finally, the cage factor. And uh, Mr. Jarvis, do we have a sample of... What the cage factor is, let's elucidate. Obviously, there's a range. There's not much cage at all. 
compared to the maximum cage, the benchmark 100% pure Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and I think uh, you get your your pure distillation, to borrow some of your uh, vocabulary there, mm. of Cage. Mm. Uh, when, you, when you take a look at uh, the uh, fake Grindhouse trailers and, um, and Rob Zombie's trailer for Werewolf Women of the Essex. And Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. This is my bedroom! So that's Cage Factor 100%. So for me, this film generated a Cage Factor of 70-80%. It was a pretty high Cage Factor, very loaded in the first part of the film, but I think even the subtle Cage was very Cage. I know I'm saying Cage a lot, but it's still, it's the staggering down the hallway well beaten up that does it for me. That's, that's also is quintessentially that actor. The movie itself did not rate as well. Understandable. Um, it didn't make all that much money, and it was not critically very well received. So ultimately, the points for this film out of 100 come to 55 for Snake Eyes. Excellent. So 55. It's not bad. It's above average. You know, it's good. All right. I'm going. I'm marking mine out of out of 10, and I'm just purely so just multiply by 10. You can equate for my score. All right. Five well, and a half. Jesus, I've got five and a half. There all right. Go. Good. I'll divide mine. Excellent. All right. So basically, I'm just going on the fact that was I was I entertained, um, and that's all I that's all I really asked from a cage film. And so for Snake Eyes, I'm giving this a seven out of ten. It's definitely worth seeking out for the first twenty minutes and the last twenty minutes. But in between, you know, you can you should put it on in the background. Go out, clean the house and stuff after the first twenty minutes. Come back at the end, catch it, and bloody f- finish off your vacuuming while listen to a bloody. Meredith Brooks Sin City. That's that's what you want. So that there we are. There's Snake Eyes. The question is, how well does it go up against the Cohen Brothers raising Arizona? Son, you got a panty on your head. Just drive fast. Turn to the right. The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower, you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But (laughs) biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby hive. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Nathan Jr. back. What's his name? Ed Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. He's out there somewhere. Hold on, Nathan. We're going to go pick up Daddy. I'll be taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. You busted out of jail. We released Prashaz on our own recognizance. What Evil here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. <gasps> we got a child now. Everything's changed. So Raising Arizona, directed by the Cohen brothers. Everyone uh, does know their work, but for those not familiar, we're talking Fargo. We're talking Big Lebowski. No Country for Old Men. Oh, Brother, We're Out Thou. And most recently, Hail Caesar. Mm. 
Yeah. Okay, so their films often include characters uh, or places with like stereotypes from that uh, also region. Also, intolerable cruelty. Uh, yeah. Never forget intolerable cruelty. Or what about the lady killers? Oh God, was that them as well? Yeah, yeah. They um, they're on and off. Those boys, they are on and off. But 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 Fargo better than most though. Big Lebowski. Be yeah, Barton Fink. Where 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 are all there? Okay. Simple. They also have highly exaggerated performances, particularly with the eyes and voices. Paging Mr. Cage, <laughs> he's perfect for this for this type of thing. Okay, so uh, Raising Arizona was released in 1987. Basically, uh, follows a uh, a guy who's in and out of prison named uh, uh, H.I. McDonough. I'm saying he's McDonough. McDonough, yeah. Hi for H.I. Yeah, he's in and out of prison, and and during that time uh, in the in the opening sort of monologue, like, well, not monologue, but montage, uh, we sequence. S- yeah, sequence. we see that there's always the uh, voiceover with the cage. There's a series of shots of uh, in and out of uh, the booking pen. The police photographer's there, Ed, uh, played by Holly Hunter. God damn, uh, she's good. She is so good in this movie. Um, and so she's always uh, there taking his photos, and he kind of falls for her, and you can see that he's falling for her during this whole opening montage. Then they, they end up together, and um, unfortunately they're unable to conceive. Um, as Ed tells us a little bit later on, she's barren. And she, great performance in that little moment there. Mm. So what happens is there's a, a furniture tycoon around the place by the name of Nathan Arizona. God, he's good as well. What he, was he, that actor's name? Do you know? Um, oh. Anyway, skip ahead. Okay, yep. Uh, uh, classic Cohen. Actors yeah. that just go, God, he's good, but who is he? That's right. Um, so his wife has quintuplets. And so Ed and uh, H.I. decide that they can't have a child so that those people have plenty. So sure, they won't uh, mind one going missing. So they go ahead and steal one of the kids. And uh, and hijinks ensue from there. High's criminal past catches up with him, his conscience and guilt, and you know the right thing eventually prevails where the child is returned. And um, That's not really it. spoiling anything. But I mean, especially with something like this. It's, more it's a 30-year-old movie. 29-year-old yeah. movie. I think spoilers are kind of out the window. There right it is. Now. He said it. He has said it. So... Tell me your thoughts on Raising Arizona. God, I love Raising Arizona. Um, to, I'm not going to spoil my rating, but because uh, everyone's looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, no, everything else is kind of blown away by by the overall scope of the film. Uh, a lot of great actors, a lot of even name actors. John Goodman, holy cow, love John Goodman in this. Like I say, the guy that plays the furniture token, don't know what his name is, but he totally fits it. Um, John Goodman's prison buddy, all that. You know. It is good. It's good stuff. Um, oh, and Frances McDormand and the guy that plays her husband, who I've seen in so many things. Of course, they are. What are they? Are they? Is it the sister-in-law? Is that who she is? There's some uh, kind of relative. The guy is High's boss, I believe, because when he punches him, he loses his job. Okay, right. So, but he punches him because he's talking about the way swingers. Do you want to swing? Of course. <laughs> but to to break this down. Strangely, I thought that it had the same um, connection with Snake Eyes in the fact that this movie comes out swinging. Like the first, that first fifteen minutes or so, or, or thirteen minutes, but even before the opening um, title sequence, is funny as hell. Like it is, it is rapid fire, bam, 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 bam. Like the whole um, yeah, where calm. he keeps getting his um, photo taken, and there's the guy off camera who says, "Don't Turn forget left, to get, get his, right. Don't don't forget to get his fingerprints, Ed." 
don't forget to get this, Ed. Don't forget to yeah. don't forget the bouquet, Ed. When he like proposes, like it's just bam, 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 rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. So I did, I did enjoy that accelerating um, through the um, setting the scene setup. Uh, it's there, yeah. and I mean that's the, that's the thing. Cage is Cage is perfect for this. Cage this is, is way back though. He's way way less Cage than I was well, expecting. More than he I was. Remember. I've seen this film before, and I remember it being a very Cage film, but. It, Cage is is very good in it. He's very right in it. But uh, I guess by virtue of the fact that there's so many other great actors and good, great performances, just it's um he's part of it. And and the key part of Cage's appeal in this is his ability to be part of the background, like the character of H.I. He's not a leader. He's not a guy that 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 you know puts on big jobs. He robs convenience stores because he can't quite help himself. Uh, he doesn't do banks because he's just not that kind of guy. But he, he sits there and he, he's he's a conduit to the conversation. And that, and look, this is the thing I think where where sometimes um, to Cage gets a little bit misunderstood is sometimes people see like his big performance as in he's he's a bad actor, but he's he's making choices. Maybe you see them as bad choices. But in a film like this, because everyone else is big and it's those exaggerated Coen Brothers um, kind of characters. It all kind of blends in and works here, even though his character's, like you said, probably not like the biggest here. Um, but a um, he is like he kind of is. Even Holly Hunter, he's the lead. Yeah, so he's there in a lot of it, and his presence is important, and what he does is important. But he's just not her doing perfor- much. Her performance and that's is fine. Big. like not doing much is is fine, but it's it doesn't make him less important. No, but her performance is a lot bigger than than his even in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, apparently, once again, we're just uh, getting a lot of this information from the um, IMDb trivia, but mm. apparently the relationship between uh, Mr. Cage and the Cohen brothers was quite respectful but turbulent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I read about that. It's like, going, well, I had these ideas, and they're like, no, we're, we're making the film like this because... That's it. He came in with <laughs> some a budget, ideas. and there's, this is how we're doing it. Yep. They're making the film. They, they, they ignored a lot of his ideas, and basically and uh, he's, he's um, quoted as saying that Joel and Ethan have a very strong vision, and he's learned how difficult it is to, um, for them to accept another, uh, an artist's vision, or how difficult it is to accept. He's learned how difficult it is to accept another artist's vision. Um, so, yeah. No, that makes sense. Like, I can only imagine not having worked in those circles that uh, it would be difficult when you go, actually, I don't think... This would be the way that you want me. Oh, you do? Well, in that case, I'll do it. But it, but it, mm. w- but it works in this. But unfortunately, he's never worked with them again. Obviously, probably because mm. of that turbulent kind of relationship. But he, he works well um, in their, in their kind of world. Can we talk hair for a second? Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, uh, we can. Let's talk hair. What you got? Has a bit of hair going on. There's the hair on the head. There's the mustache. There's the chest hair. My God, is it not a perfect depiction? Like, like his head hair is just—it's—it's it's out there. It's frazzled. It's big. He's got a mustache. He's got chest hair poking out of his singlet, which, if you'll notice in Snake Eyes, was also there. Bit of the cagey chest. Are you Sean Connery as a hairy man yourself? Are you finding some kind of connection <sighs> here? Is, it, is he your I, people? I, I, is he your clan? Of a of a modern age, you see. Uh, like, I came into the supermarket the other day, right? It was a couple of weeks ago, actually, while Spectre was in cinemas. Sidetracking a little bit of video while Spectre no, was in cinemas. No, this is relevant. Hey, we've we've talked about Run DMC. Do we this is, rele- this is my song? time Go ahead. to sidetrack. Go ahead. I went into the supermarket when Spectre was out, so there's some marketing for Spectre, and I see a display going, bring out, you're in a bond, and it's on a display of body razors, which... 
I don't know if anyone's ever seen Sean Connery or Roger Moore or Timothy D- or any of the other actors who played Bond, they, but they're covered in hair. They're no longer our inner Bond. But I know, what? I know. And look, I, go, okay. I, I took a couple of deep breaths and went, all right, all right. But it's I just rebooted. reflected that that's very sad. What, that our, we no longer have a, a hairy Bond? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> thank you for sharing that with me. I think Bond could still be equally hairy. That and in fact... Craig's on his way out, is he not? Daniel Craig, he's, he's, he's hinting that he's Drizelba, done. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah? Is he I a hairy man? Happen. I don't know. He's, oh, he look, won't he's be by the time he gets to the screen, I'll tell you that much. No, well, not if bloody... Who was it? Gillette? Not if they have their way. Gillette. And Sha- if he's our next Gillette. Bond, shave that Bond Sh- down. Anyway. Relevant, Cage though, is he was in uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Um, Drizelba? Yeah. Oh, not seen it yet? Mm, uh, wait wait till we get there. I, you, I haven't. I've had children for the last 12 years. Right. Very sorry. You are, um, you are, I'm a little bit behind. You're in for a treat, sir. But anyway, <laughs> get, getting back to the hair, that was uh, Cage was all about the hair. You'll be happy to know. He was. Um, he wanted that kind of woody woodpecker haircut and wanted it to basically um, react to HI's stress level. So the, oh the more God. danger and stuff he was in, the bigger the, the wave in the hair gets. And that's something you could do. Like the directors are going, yeah, whatever. He's just like... I'll just pop the, the hair, hair up. up. I'll pop the hair up. They're not going to do a retake just because the hair's too high. I'm going to spend another 15 minutes on that. I don't think so. Exactly. So we're on a budget. Nice work, Cage. So we're talking that, like, I, 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 we're thinking Cage was relatively subdued in this, right? It works. It works for the movie. But as far as if we're looking at the Cage factor goes, he's well, relatively subdued. Maybe you know, we hadn't fully discovered Cage-ness. Um, I think I, disagree, I would disagree with that statement, though, looking at his filmography up to that point. Um, because it's there's a few moments of of the uh, what I called in Snake Eyes the subdued cage. Like yeah. when I mentioned, he's talking to Sneeze and says Angela's happy when he's and Sneeze has a go at him about cheating on his wife Angela, and and to me it was, it was such a short sound, short, short bite, but he he sank back into a like a little bit of melancholy at that point in Snake Eyes, and and. It wasn't, ah, cage, crazy eyes, bees. But, uh, you know, I still, it, to me, I felt, I, I wrote it down because I felt it communicated a lot about the character and his maybe his regrets and his guilt and, and so on. And I think that's the kind of cage that we're seeing in Raising Arizona, like a lot of that, the, the passivity specifically. Yes. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this really quick because I found I didn't have like as many notes on this one once no, again because either. it wasn't uh, flipping out. But I did um, have this. He does go full cage when the pressure is applied. Mm. Um, everybody's He's a bounty hunter. Everybody's kind of saying that the bounty hunter, the nightmare biker, oh, Leonard, and, uh, Leonard keep Smalls. Keep your goddamn hands off my wife. Yes. Leonard Smalls. That was good. He's the nightmare biker. Um, he, he goes along on his bike blowing up rabbits. Now, this, I was a bit disappointed in the nightmare biker. I will say this. So, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, he looks very uh, post-apocalyptic, Mad Max-esque, kind of like biker cruising along on his bicycle. So, you One get this. or other of the Coens decide him as being not as someone that would be an actual bounty hunter, but who uh, bounty hunter that, that High would have imagined coming for him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's not a real person. He's a, a figment of like the overactive stimulation of the High characters. And I do love that, and I thought this was going to carry through, and then my heart was broken when it didn't, that it seems at first like he's just never going to be off that motorcycle. Like when he goes in to investigate the, the restrooms. I agree. It makes door... him more real when he gets off the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted he him on have, that. He should have appeared on it all the time. He does go to go in the restrooms and he knocks the door off 
while on the bike the whole time, and I wanted to see him, but then he gets off it later on. But that, that's fine. Look, there's a lot of there was a lot of good stuff going um, going in there. There's, look, there's lots of great eccentric, crazy Cohen Brothers lines. Like um, when the if it was his boss and, and his wife, Francis McDermott, and that other and that other guy. Um, there's a line about make sure you get life insurance. What if you got carried off by a big old twister? There's that that kind of stuff going through there. <laughs> I do want to point out that there is one stage where. Um, it's your whole goddamn raison d'etre. That's it. After the chase, you know the chase where they he robs the convenience store and there's a whole chase involving the dog. Turn left. I'm sorry, honey. I can't believe it. Turn right here. I'm glad you're doing this because I, I didn't do any clips for this, so this is good. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Well, what I meant was I just needed to turn right here now, honey. Yes, and that was the cage. I can't believe That's the cage fluctuation where he goes from being... Normal to straight to crazy or back again. That's crazy. It's not even straight to crazy and back again. It's it's being relatively normal in the face of a crazy situation. It's like he's explaining directions, continues to explain directions. It's like this is just well. It's you need to know where you're going. What am I going to stop telling you where to go so I can continue explaining myself? And and the best thing about that is during that scene, um, Ed actually punches high out after the chase. Once again, classic Cage taking a punch. He does a turn of the turn of the camera. It's beautiful. Someone screen snap that shit and put it up against the, the one from Snake Eyes. I want to get get these images aren't Let's online. Get a progress, like an evolution of the cage. We'll get it on our face. Twitter at Cage v Cage. By cage the way, v cage. If, if you're still hanging in there for any of this, please if let us know. You've got a snapshot of Cage getting punched on screen or off. If you don't, we've got to put that up there. That's great. <laughs> it's it's excellent. Um, so look, that's that's pretty much the, st- the the stuff that I really, really wanted to point out. Is there is there anything else that you really wanted to say about ra- raising Arizona? I mean, we haven't really gotten into the nitty gritty, but it's- like a lot of things, um, uh, not cage related, but there's the only one thing I'm going to bring up now is that there's a point where, well, two things, two things. Because I'm a parent, you're a parent. We've got small children, and God, they're amazing in so many ways. Um, but having said that, um, despite the fact that um, I would welcome someone kidnapping my children, um, when <laughs> when he's breaking into the house to steal a child, even though these allegedly newborn children are clearly at least 12 months old, I'm just going, this is actually kind of a horrific scene. This is someone stealing children. It was a bit wacky. But it was, fu- it was like I've, I've got written... It's it was a bit Baby Herman. Kidnapping who a baby. Quote, kidnapping a baby, kind of horrific, but also kind of hilarious. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, they, they were diving off things. Old, if they were younger, you would be seriously going, I can't even. I, well, if it was just taking them and they were crying and upset. But this is, this is very cartoonish. They're Crawling wacky. everywhere. It's like kind of hijinks. Jumping on. It's hijinks. Exactly. Jumping on his yeah. back, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> cut you deep. Cut you real deep. Oh, um, oh. And I did. I did like... Jumping back to the end now, as we as we go to wrap this one up, there's a great um, face-off with the Nightmare Biker, obviously at the end. Like I love that um, top I scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And in fact, I'd I'd love to see um, the timeline of other scenes in movies that feature one the hero snatching the pin off the opponent's grenade, only for the opponent to realize a bit later and then explode. It's true. I'm pretty sure Raising Arizona was the first. Really? Someone I'm going to go on record and go 987. Hashtag Arizona. I mean, hashtag cage, grenade pin. cage v cage and hashtag Andrew for ship. He does. That's I'm just. I'm not. I'm not saying that you are, but I'm saying if someone discovers that that you are, let's make a simplistic hashtag. 
Hashtag grenade pin. All right, then whatever. There it is. Whatever, you know. No one's going to be looking for it. No. Hashtag whatever you want. You do it. Just fuck it. Yeah. If it's your hashtag, you do yeah. with it. Do it. You Own want. it. Own that hashtag. Exactly don't right. even. In fact, don't even ping us. Just like hashtag grenade pin. Get it out Randomly there. on your Twitter. All right. Time to wrap up on Raising Arizona. I don't really have anything else to say. Do you have anything else to say about Raising Arizona? I uh, No. Fantastic film. Watch it, regardless of how you feel about Cage. Exactly. Good. Good. That's true. Yeah. If you're not a strong Cage supporter, this may turn you. This, this may turn cage. you Cage. Like, well, I can watch a Cage film and not vomit reflexively. Maybe I can watch some of his other ones. That cuts me deep, man. Anyway. I don't feel that way. I know. Well, you're just putting it out there for the people. All right. Let's get your... Run your bloody algorithm. What have we got here? How long is it going to take you to work through this? No, no. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Okay. Uh, Well, Rotten Tomatoes quite high. Uh, It is rated very high. Like, what, about 80? Am I right in saying 80? 90 to 95%. Holy shit. Oh, no, that's my rating. All right. Oh, geez. I believe it was was 90 or 80. Okay. Um, But, yeah, what really... One of the things that really bumped it in was obviously the, um, the money. They spent $6 million, I think, to make it, and they made a lot more than that. So, plus that, my film rating, my personal rating, this was 90%, 90-95%. Cage factor quite low. I, I pinged it at maybe 45%, mm-hmm. even taking into account the subtle cage, but this blows Snake Eyes out of the water. This comes in at 77 points on my scale compared to the 55, uh, sorry, the 50 for Snake Eyes. Wow, okay. I'm going to be a little controversial here. Don't. No. Don't even. <sighs> you love the Coens. I do love the Coens. I do, I do really like this movie. But I have, like, I have to, look, the whole thing about this is we're being honest. Yeah, and cage-wise. Same as kind of Snake Eyes. I found this movie waning a little bit in the middle. I don't know. Not at all. I know. I disagree. I know. It was strong all throughout. I know. Just for me, I don't know why. I just, I felt, and I wrote that down. I found it waning, and I found it lift up a little bit more at the end. But because he wasn't completely unleashed, and I felt like he was shackled, and obviously we've talked about the Coens did shackle him a little bit, I'm going to go for this. I mean, obviously, Raising Arizona is the better film. There's no doubt about that as far as filmmaking goes and everything goes like that. But I'm going to give this one a 6 out of 10 looking at our rating system and the whole cage thing. I I did find Snake Eyes slightly more entertaining. So we arrive at the conundrum here, our first one. And we obviously we haven't discussed this. We now have to try and work out... Out of these two films, when we're looking at great directors directing Cage, Coens versus De Palma, which film are we going to put forward so that when this podcast eventually comes to an end and we have to find the, the ultimate Cage film, which one of these two films is going to go forward? Well, if we're going to break down to Cage Factor, uh, I obviously defer to Snake Eyes. You're relenting so easily. I, I expect uh, you're going to No, well, hey, hey, hey. Because you seem pretty good. Pre- to an explanation. Okay, go ahead. Look, as you say, Raising Arizona, better film in and of itself. Made up of so many other complimentary performances, though. Like, it's not all cage. It's a restrained cage, which is not to say that it's not high cage. Like, this is the point. I didn't want to get. I didn't want to get into the thing where it's like, well, cage going ah, like the. No, 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 not at all. Because you, you, if if that was it, and we would go straight to something like Vampire's be, Kiss, or he can be man. as intense uh-huh. as the Fu Manchu. I get that without bugging eyes and screaming. I think exactly as, if you're feeling it in your bones. Admittedly, I didn't with Raising Arizona, uh-huh. but I did with some of the quieter points in Snake Eyes. So I think, I think, yeah, I'm leading maybe towards Snake Eyes. I know my results are possibly skewed by the financials, true, and the overall score I attribute to the film as a whole. Cool. So I ask you this question: I want to put Snake Eyes forward as as the film that we're going to put through out of these two. 
once again, we're not looking for the better film because I do believe that Raising Arizona, filmmaking-wise, and if you're looking at it that way, is the better film. But I think taking into a cage... Into a cage? Why not? Taking into, into a, a cage. cage. Taking into a Hashtag, okay. Take into a cage. Yeah. Take you everything into a cage. It's, yeah. It changes your whole perception <laughs> on life. It really does. <laughs> Taking into account Mr. Cage's performance and what he brings to the role, I I feel that Mr. De Palma let him fly more. And going with the, the, the rest of the film, and as I pointed out, has a lot of um, over-the-top uh, over the top nature to it, the sound effects, everything like that—it's very glitzy. Um, you know, it's it's about you know sin and the superficiality, and that comes through in the movie as well. Mm. I want to put forward that we give Snake Eyes the win in this episode. What say you, sir? Well, <clears throat> Raising Arizona has the cage hair mm-hmm. factor, in which that. he influenced the uh, directing with his hair. Yeah, he has the chest hair. He's got the mustache. He's I know you thing you're, he does with his eyebrows. I get that hair means like a lot this. to you. I get that. <laughs> it's like I'm losing it as I get older, man. Like, this is all I got to hang on to. One day, man, you you're going to be happy. I want to pin it to this to be a good film coming out for the cage. At the same time, my personal feelings, like if you held a gun to my head and go, which is better, cage? Which is better cage? Using just those words, which is better cage? I would go, uh, is Snake Eyes. But then you're overlooking a lot of the nuance that we're hoping to bring with this podcast. We are. But look, that's the, that's the thing. We're not, we're not just going to go for, wow, crazy, wacky cage, because obviously there's, there's some of that which doesn't, doesn't necessarily lead to entertaining. It sometimes could be too mm. much. Maybe the man made a few wrong choices. But I'm saying right now, and we do have to wrap this up, I'm saying that it, it's Snake Eyes. So all I need is for you to be in, and, and we are done. Snake Eyes is a good cage. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I say go for it. It's let's, Snake Eyes. There we have it. it. We have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. Snake Eyes going through. When you put uh, Snake Eyes versus Raising Arizona, Snake Eyes is the the ultimate cage it's in that one scenario. one of the best cage films as dictated by your recording professionals here. Exactly right. Like I said, there's 40 minutes in there that's Really solid. <laughs> That's not, probably not the best way to end, but there right. is. But tell you what, is the best way to you end is to end on a little bit of Meredith Brooks' Sin City from the the set. Be be on the lookout for the uh, the line the house always wins Snake Eyes. And if you hear that line, please take a shot for us. No matter what you do, I don't care if you're driving driving into driving into work. Hashtag right now. cage fired. Exactly right. Driving into work right now. When you hear that line, take a shot. All right. When your boss questions you about that, you tell them tell what it's for. They'll understand. If they don't, tell them to waste however long we've been talking about it right now, and, and, and they'll get it. Um, well, let's wrap up. Like you said, get on board on Twitter at CageVCage. Uh, next week, or next fortnight, what are we doing? What two films? We have decided on this. We're going great directors again. Wild right? at Heart, David Lynch, mm-hmm. uh, V Matchstick Man by Ridley Scott. Two highly questionable great directors, but well-known. Really? And I put that out there. I think there's some Would pointing you say- and jabbing with forks is going to happen in th- that episode. I think so. Wow. Because, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be... I think... Probably Scott's probably a little bit more controversial than Lynch. Usually, Is that a thing? Because yeah. oh, I'm not a Lynch fan. I really? don't like Lynch. But at the same time, Ridley Scott did make Prometheus, and he must burn for it. Wow. We have a lot to discuss next week. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it for there, because we have, geez, differing opinions all over the place. But thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Drew Jarvis, this man here. Andrew Wallace. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here's a little bit of Meredith Brooks. Sin City, shot on the Snake Eyes line. You've been listening to Cage Fight. We may not be the biggest Nicolas Cage fans in the world, but we are the smartest. In this town of pain, you could be the lucky one. 
Drowning man. 